Athletic. All right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from the Athletic. Well, Trent came to the rescue on Saturday, scoring a brilliant equaliser at the Etihad. We'll be talking about the Man City game and plenty more besides with Andy Jones and Simon Hughes. And as ever, we'll start with those three words. And Simon, you know, I always have to come to you for this because, let's face it, you hate the whole thing as much as I do. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yeah, and you enjoy reminding me of it every week. Um, so the three words this week are in the race. In the race, Andy. I think mine's a little bit more related to my last podcast appearance. Um, so mine is arrived on time. No, oh. <laughs> you expecting to pass on the back for that, Andy? <laughs> no, no. It's just to remind myself how silly I was last week. <laughs> well, no, no, no. You know what? Today we we've had another podcast adventure because we um we were due to start way earlier, and it turns out that Simon's having his mansion expanded. <laughs> so the builders were in there and they were making noise, so we had to come back and do it now. But anyway, let's find out what they're saying over on the Walk on Podcast Facebook group. Kevin Baker says progress is being made. Stephen Martin, Trent silences Manx. Ian Hartley. Resilience, focus, determination. Stu Siegel, unstoppable run incoming. Hmm. Well, what would I say? Three words, I would say. It's a big run ahead. Alexander-Arnold Well, we talked up the City game site, didn't we? And... You know, how, how important it will be, how crucial it will be. And part of me thinks the draw is an anti-climax. But how did you see it? I mean, I have to say City obviously still look to me to be the team that's in the box seat. Um, we're the better side for probably shading the majority of the game. But the resilience, as Ian said, was something to behold. Well, Liverpool eh, hung in and then... I've got to say, I think the substitutions made a big difference to Liverpool. Maybe it's too basic to say it came down to this, but you look at the City bench compared to the Liverpool bench, and this was an occasion which really showed, you know, the benefits of Liverpool having all the options off the bench, and it and it helped Liverpool at the end of the game. I mean, I actually thought it was a game that full could have won. You know, they, they weren't far off winning the game. It was just really promising, I think, because it, you know you compare it to. The performance at the same ground last April, and it was no comparison really. And the the area where Liverpool got punished particularly wasn't a, so much of a problem this time. And I just thought he looked really dangerous in attack as well. So it was a, a promising performance that um, I think Liverpool will be happy with. Yeah, I think so. A point there is was always a good point. Andy, you know, you compare it to last season where you know Trent was having the hissy fits on the pitch. And the people whose names we no longer mention because they're in Saudi Arabia were getting embarrassed. <laughs> the difference in this year and you know, Trent's goal was well, it was special because he's special. Yeah, I think since as you mentioned it there, is it's sort of the represents it all really. Because I remember that the game last season, it was probably the most angry I've been at them last season, even 
with some of the results they had away from home, and especially in that January, because it did look like they'd somewhat given up, and that there was an acceptance that, oh well, we'll City will just do whatever, and we'll sort of just be on the pitch with them until the final whistle. Whereas you see the complete difference now, and you mentioned Trent, and but it was just the the, the attitude, the the adventure, the belief, everything about it was so much more positive. You know, Liverpool weren't just trying to survive in the game. You have to against City, but there was also the element of going the other way and, and how can we try and win this game? Whereas, you know, you, you you rewind back to last season and it was it was never, even though they took the lead in that game, it was sort of always a matter of, of when, not if, City were going to take the lead and then win. Um, whereas this one, it, it's just completely different and it shows the, the drastic change and... And and sort of the, the 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 run that Liverpool have been on with with only that Tottenham defeat since that that City game last season and all the the sort of asterisks you can put on that Tottenham defeat just shows how how much things have changed and, and to see Trent get the equaliser give it the big the big celebration the shush loved all of that and it, it was it was a great moment for him individually but also just collectively to show how far the team have progressed in in what is a relatively short window given the amount of change we've had in the summer. Yeah, I mean, you know, isn't it every scouser's dream to score in Manchester and stand in front of the Manx and just, you know, take their acclaim, let's say. <laughs> well, me, I'm, I'm probably, um, I'm probably I told you about this before, but my brother once had a dream. He had a dream that Liverpool were playing United and he was on the bench and Kenny was the manager. And like Kenny said, get stripped off, you're going on. And he got so excited that he woke himself up. And he said it was the worst moments of his life. Oh, that's so dis- that's such a disappointing ending, Tony. I was waiting for like a, a half trick at Old Trafford or something there. No, no, no. It's uh, it, he will never know what might have been in his dreams. But <laughs> but in our dreams, Liverpool are gonna march on and, and win the league. Um let's talk about Alisson. His pass that led to Herland's goal, and then the goal itself, could he have done better? It wasn't his best day, was it? And when you, and I'm not going to slag Allison because how many times has he saved this team? But you know what? If you're going to pick a bad day, oh, why at the Etihad? Yeah, it wasn't his, his best performance. But if his injury keeps him out for, for a number of weeks, I, I would have betted on him, you know, sort of coming back into the team after that performance and, and just getting getting his act together straight away because he's not really a goalkeeper who suffers from form problems, but it's part of the the sort of the issue with being a goalkeeper. You can, particularly with the way he plays and the way, you know, the ball is at his feet quite a lot. He takes it quite close to the knuckle, doesn't he? Most, you know, more often than not, and he does get away with it more often than not. But yeah, it was it was really frustrating because against City, you can't really afford to have an error like that sort of unexpected not to get punished really so does it deserve more analysis I'm not sure if, if his if his form ended up dipping off, off the back of it then maybe yeah but I just think the way he plays it's, there's always a likelihood that at some point in the season he's going to make a mistake which is a bit like that I, I think the only analysis really this needs is to say that if anyone deserves to be given a pass for an off day it's Alison Becker, isn't it? You know, yeah. because he, he has been so good. And even in the past when he's made mistakes, he's come back as if they never happened. And that's a really important thing for a goalkeeper, isn't it? I mean, well, for any player, one of the things that I, I, I don't think a lot of people understand how important it is, the ability to forget, because don't brood on your mistakes 
Put them out of your mind. Go back after the game and look at them and analyse them and see what you can do better. But during the game, forget. And the best players forget. Which brings me to Darwin Nunes. <laughs> he's a man who needs to forget, you know, in almost every game. Because he's, he's, he's a terrible man for missing a chance and then he'll score outrageous goals. He is erratic. And he, how did you feel about his performance against City? I thought it was good, to be honest. Um, I think, obviously, you look at the chances and, and you see... I know Gary Neville made a massive point about trying to compare him and, and there was a couple of times where Sabaz Lai slots him through and he hesitates and he doesn't quite get the shot off. You know, it's one of those where, you know, Harlem probably would have, but then, you know, Sabaz Lai probably could have played him earlier a little bit and it would have probably opened it up a little bit more. But I think, it's again, I, I continue to be impressed by his, his general... His general play, to be honest, and, and just the all-round type side of things. And if he wasn't on the pitch, I don't think Liverpool are, are anywhere near as dangerous as what they were at times because of the pace, because of the the, the increasing ability to, to time his runs, to get his runs right, to to know how to battle defenders, to hold the ball up and link the play. And, you know, you know could easily have got himself on the score sheet. I mean, <laughs> I think he's somewhat so, summed up by his... Um, his, his post-match antics, isn't he? Is that he's just he's just a, still that maniac who can produce anything at any point. This time it was a, a random spat with uh, with Guardiola, but it is that that that's what makes him what who he is, and, and that's why he's so effective. Is because he has these moments where he just does something that no one no one expects, and usually it's on the pitch, and usually that's been good for Liverpool. This one was was a little bit different, but I think generally again it was there's always going to be those things that need polishing in his game, and and you can see that, but. Every game, he, every game he plays, he seems to get more polished and more refined in, in what he's doing, and and being more part of this Liverpool team, which which he wasn't at times last season. Can, can I just? I read this amazing stat with Nunes, and I think it might just be because me and James aren't big stats people. We don't talk about stats very very often on the pods. Maybe we should. I don't know. Maybe that's what people want. But I read that is is it right, Tony? That he has more shots than than any other player in the Premier League each game on average. By some considerable difference, so it's like it's either five point one or five point two shots per game, and the nearest person is three point five, which is a massive jump, isn't it? When you think about it, I mean, he's just shooting from everywhere. You can't quite pin him down. I mean, I, I think you know quite clearly, City were, were very worried about what he might might do, and I think it showed in their performance as well. I think what he really needs to do is, is sort of get close to Salah and, and really, you know, capitalise on this developing relationship that he's got with him on the pitch because I think that's what that, that's certainly what Klopp is looking for, I think. I think if if he can develop that sort of telepathy with Salah, it will show that he's understanding somebody else's game rather than his own or trying to understand his own game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, I'll be honest, I don't think... Nunes is ever going to be a cerebral sort of player. There's always going to be a touch of the batter and ram about him. And, you know, I'm quite happy with that. I, I, I think, and we've said this on this podcast so many times, that when he signed and people were making the comparisons to Ireland, that everyone at the club was saying, look, we know he's not the finished article. We know he's a long way from Ireland, but this guy's got loads of growth in him. And I think we're seeing the growth. And there's going to be growing pains, of course there are. But I'm liking what I see about Darwin Nunes. You're listening to Walk On, brought to you by The Athletic. 
Okay, let's talk about the midfield because we alluded to it earlier on. I think one of the, the things that really stood out to me is that Liverpool were doing things that they couldn't do last season. In fact, stuff that they haven't really done throughout the whole Klopp era. You know, they were playing the ball out through the midfield against a ferocious City press with with precision. And they were getting the ball forward. And I was like, ooh. And sometimes it looked like they were living on the edge. But they're, they're developing their own rhythm. And I think Klopp teams, from what I've seen, are at the best when they get into a groove, get into a rhythm. And the rhythm that the successful period was, was very different, sort of bypassing the midfield or recycling it quickly and then pressing. But now there's a growing confidence there. And it means it's a very different team than the one that won the title and the one that won the Champions League. And I mean, this is really, we've talked about Liverpool 2.0, but this is, Andy, I think, so different. It's it's remarkable. It is. Um, and I think you can just see by the profile of, of the type of midfield that the, that Liverpool have, have, have been bringing in. And, and it's a lot more, I think, technical-based. And I think we began to see that initially with, with Thiago, but obviously that, that, that didn't really work for different reasons. And Liverpool weren't in the place to transition to what they're now, the, the current style. And it has taken, this, I think, the summer window, really, to be able to, to properly bring... The, the right type of players in, especially with the system switch, because it now the type of midfield Liverpool are using now and and the way they're playing with Trent, you know, drifting and you know during periods of games is it it, it suits you know Sobers, Lai, Jones, even McAllister as that number six and and then as you say that to be able to be playing out from City's press, which not many teams want to do or can do, you know, is is really impressive. And that's not to say Henderson and Wijnaldum weren't capable of doing that type of stuff. But I think there is a different level of technical ability that the likes of Gravenberg, Jones and, and Sabozlai do possess to be able to be comfortable on the ball in, in deeper areas and then be able to play through the midfield. And and yeah, as you say, Liverpool used to be very much full-back orientated in the way they attacked and the midfield was there to to provide the three-man shield effectively. But now you're able to to use the midfield both ways and that, you know, I think that, I think they played well you know, out of possession against City for for the majority of the game. But also then when they get it, they're able to to, to supplement the the attacking third as well. And it wasn't always great. I think Jones looked a little bit, you know, out of rhythm a little bit. Um and, and there was a couple of, you know, passes that went astray. He wasn't the only one. But I think generally the idea is is right and and the way they're trying to move the ball up the pitch gives them more variation than what Teams, you could just say, well, we're just either going to stop you going at wide and you can't get us through the middle or you're just going to keep putting in crosses in, which is when when club teams haven't functioned particularly well, that's sort of what it's, what it's fell back to and it, because they've not had the, the technical ability and the, the creativity in midfield, whereas now you've got that, but you've also got the off-the-ball stuff, which has been retained. Yes, I, uh, Curtis Jones, he's been out injured. He needs a run in the team. Do you think he'll be part of the first choice midfield if he gets a run of games? I think it's still open for debate what the first choice three is based on what they've got, which affords him the chance to to state his claim. And he already has this season, you know, before he got sent off against Tottenham. I thought he was really, really good. I, I really like him. I think he's He's really a really, really talented player. I think he's developed a discipline in his game. I think I've said in the past that I think sometimes 
the discipline has come at the expense of some of the creative instincts that he's got. But I think that's shown a maturity to be able to to do is exactly what the manager expects of him. I think it's it's easy to forget. I mean, the the, the one thing that really joins, as I see it anyway, Klopp and Guardiola is, is that they both really want highly structured teams, teams that know exactly what it's meant to be doing at all times. I know you sort of see a bit more spontaneity in, within the structure of the, the, the team that Guardiola's got because of the amount of sort of creativity and flair that it's got high up the pitch. But they, the, the both managers want the players to almost become sort of robotic in its actions. And I think when you have a period out of that team and you're trying to get back into it, or you're going back into the team at a time when it's changing, it's quite hard to sort of get that rhythm. And, you know, throwing into the fact that, you know, we've had the international break as well. That's not making excuses for Curtis Jones or any of the other players, but it's just the reality of it. It's, it's, it is hard to get up to speed with certain things according to the to sort of the, the the context around it and the circumstance. So I think he 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 could become you know an established one of the established three because he's got the physicality for it. I think he's he's got the running ability, and there is one of those spaces up up you know up for grabs at the moment. Obviously now the team has changed Liverpool. You know the with, with you know Trent's goal was evidence of that I guess you know from quite a central position really I don't know where they'd be interested to see whether he scored many goals from like as as sort of centre centre goal as that before it tends to be further out wide but that is all part of the plan you know what I mean so I think you know gradually bit by bit by bit I, I would say my sort of overriding view of that that game and that performance was this team is beginning to understand exactly what it's meant to be doing it's getting more confidence. And if Curtis Jones gets into a rhythm of games, I think he he does seem to be a player who finds it hard to come in, in and out, in and out. He, he he probably needs the manager to hang his hat on him and say, "Well, you're my you know you're my number eight or whatever it is." Now he's got a great opportunity. It's, it's there for him. I think if he wants to take it. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of because we get caught up in the treadmill of the week to week, you know, games, we forget how new this midfield is and how difficult it is for players to actually gel with each other. They've done well, Andy, to get to this position, I would say, to be able yeah. to build Man City. After an, I mean, obviously the international break is going to sort of disrupt City's rhythm as well. And they didn't exactly go into the international break in their best form. But I, I think that, you know, based on the upheaval over the summer, um, whether or not everything, all the decisions were made by design, you know, they have got themselves into a position which is really, really, really healthy at the moment, I, I would say. And if you come out the back end, I mean, you sort of think about, everybody always talks about January, don't they? Salah going away is is far from ideal because I think he's the one player, really. If you think about it, both him and Trent are the two players that you, you pro and or maybe Van Dyke, maybe the goalkeeper, maybe you can't replace all of them, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but certainly Salah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, he 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 is a player that you want in your team, isn't he? All, all the time, really. There's no there's nobody who can step in, even for a couple of games. I would say and perform to the levels that he plays. But I'm digressing a little bit. But I, I just think that you know that you can see evidence. I thought you saw evidence on on uh, Saturday that the team is going certainly in the right direction and is developing. You know, it's it's based around the, the relationships that are existing on the pitch. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And Andy, Gravenberg, when he come on. 
Gravenberg, Tony. It's Gravenberg. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we do the greenest, didn't we? I, I should say it the way the Dutch say Gravenberg. <laughs> I'm not going to quite go for that all of that pronunciation, but um, I think that the game, the way it was, it was perfectly suited to him because I think what we've seen from Gravenberg is that he loves getting on the turn and he loves driving into space. He's a little bit like Cody Gakpo, just from a little bit deeper. Um, and I think you see similarities to when Gakpo has, you know, when he dropped in against, was it Brentford, those type of stars. So I think it's, it's going to be really interesting because I think that's where we're talking about Curtis Jones. And um, I think that's where the battle is for that for that third midfield spot because I think McAllister and Sabozlai are pretty much nailed on at the moment for for the other two. So I think it is between them. And it is interesting because you would, you would say Jones is a little bit less exciting, easy on the eye maybe than Gravenberg because he's got that that turn and that that stride to get away. I mean, you see it for the goal, don't you? In, in the way he's able to carry the ball for so you know so far, and there was a couple of other instances where you know he receives it in space and, and can really get Liverpool up the pitch. And you don't necessarily see that from Jones. He's a little bit more in possession, keeping keeping things ticking along. And I think from maybe a supporter's view, um, there may be times when you want to you know Jones might for probably unfair reasons get a little bit of criticism for not being as creative or looking as attacking as as maybe Gavinberg does. But um yeah I think I think to have the, the two of them together, you know, as options in that position is is ideal. I, I love that run from Gravenberg. Like it's not something you you've seen too often from a Liverpool midfielder. You know, somebody who's prepared to sort of run two thirds of the pitch and really sort of stretch the game, I think. That's a sort of a thing that's been lost from football, really. Open down midfielders, they don't yeah, exist box, anymore. Box midfielder who can, particularly at that part of the game, you know, in the second half when, you know, the opponent's not, you know, not probably expecting it quite as much because as the game goes on, it becomes quite harder to to to, to put that level of um, intensity into a run. But I think it really illustrated why Liverpool signed him, really, because he... Um, He's obviously very good with the ball at his feet. It's it's hard, you know, it's hard to get the ball off, but it's just not many midfielders who can do that in world football now. At least they're not being asked to. It's, I haven't seen a goal like that for for a long time. Total of um, Dutch players. So I just wanted to say, I read your piece on the criminality in um, particularly centred around Amsterdam and the links between criminals and Dutch players, and it was excellent. People, go onto the Athletic site and read it now. It's worth subscribing just for this sort of stuff. Thanks <laughs> <laughs> <I just> want... <laughs> We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Have your say and get involved by emailing walk-on at theathletic.com.
December, it's a big month because my birthday is there and it's Christmas. But in football, <laughs> there's loads of action. There's almost too much action in the in the Premier League. You've got Man United, Arsenal, Newcastle, all the damn fields. Now, you've got to get excited about that, haven't you, Andy? Yeah, they're, they're the games you want, aren't? and especially when they're at Anfield, when you can have your own influence on them as well. Or There's certainly a lot more Liverpool fans who can have a, a big influence on it. There's also the... I guess the, the the Man United element of of having some more of the uh, the the new stand being opened as well, so there'll be even more Liverpool voices. But yeah, they, this I I always feel December's a massive month for Klopp. I always think that he sort of he wants his team to peak for it, and I've uh, sometimes I think that might be the detriment of what happens then in January. But I always think that he he puts a lot of importance on this month because of the the sheer amount of games. But then when you look at the opposition and you know Arsenal for you know for example are going to Look like they're going to be one of of the title challengers, and and, and Newcastle, Liverpool's um, after the last their last visit to Anfield, I'm sure they'll be they'll be there to annoy you again. <laughs> so yeah, they, I, I always think December's a massive month just because it you feel like you've done the the hard work, you've settled in, but now this is where you you properly stake your claim for where you with the second half of the season and and what's going to be 2024 is is going to lead you into. It, it's uh, I mean it, you know. Played City, obviously, but suddenly it ramps up a notch. And we can't forget, say, you know, obviously Fulham, then Sheffield United and Palace away. I mean, the winnable games, but they're going to be physical as well. It's 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 a very intense period, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Liverpool saw how difficult it was to go to Fulham at the start of last season. You know, I think they're a tough team to play against. But I, I do think that you'd rather be playing your, your big games at this stage of the season, in this month at home, I think it's beneficial for Liverpool massively. If they were away, you'd certainly be approaching those games with some trepidation, I'd say. But um, it's a really big opportunity for Liverpool to to sort of knock the stuffing out of a couple of opponents. But it's an opportunity for them to sort of do the same to Liverpool, I guess you could say. But I'd always back Liverpool at home, particularly in a... Uh, in a season where they're doing all right, you know, so I think it's a it's a really great opportunity. I think, and you'd rather have those games in December than than in January. I think, particularly in light of what I said about Salah before. Yeah, yeah, and it is a period where you do worry about injuries. Losing Allison is a blow. There, there are parts of his game which obviously you can't replicate if you kill her, but he's still a pretty damn good goalkeeper. I really like Quivine Callahan. I think he's probably suffered from not playing. He probably does need to play. I think it's hard for him when he sort of comes in and plays the odd game in the League Cup because the, you know, any any sort of inconsistency is looked upon as him just no being nowhere near up to the standard of Alison Becker, which is a bit unfair when, you know, we're talking about rhythm before. I think goalkeepers need need it as well. That sort of understanding of what it's like to stand around quite a lot when you're Liverpool's goalkeeper and then only be asked to make saves every now and again. I think Klopp, Klopp said that last season when there was a bit of bit of speculation about Keller's future and and sort of very much was very clear that a, only a massive offer would you know would would tempt Liverpool because I do think they rate him as as one of if not the best number two. Um, I think Arsenal would probably have something to say with their Raya Ramsdale um, debacle that that's going on at the moment. Um, but I think Keller has proven. I think I think one of the, one of the most impressive things, as I said, is that. 
he hasn't played much and, and he's he's been asked to come in every you know every now and again if you like for the cup games and it's so difficult for a goalkeeper I can't imagine what it's like when you've not you, when you, you haven't got a chance to get your eye in effectively so I think it, it's important to not be too critical on him um you know if he if he does make a mistake I think the biggest the biggest one for me this this season noticeably has, has been the one-on-ones there's been a couple that he's that he sort of conceded I think Leicester and, and Toulouse and and, and and I think that's where the biggest difference between the two for me is because Allison is just you expect him to save everything, um, particularly those one on ones because he's just so commanded and and so intelligent in how he uses his body and, and how he positions himself. Um, and I think Callagher is not quite to that level, but I don't think any keeper is. <laughs> so you know, to, to be again to be too critical on him would be would be unfair. So it's going to be a big test for him. Um, but at the end of the day, this is why Liverpool wanted to keep him because they believe that. You know, if anything was to happen to Allison, then they've got someone who's capable of stepping up. And you would like to think if, you know, in the games against Fulham, Sheffield and Palace, that he'd be, you know, more than capable of of, of, of coming in and being absolutely fine. It's it's maybe the Man United and the Arsenal games and that you might sort of be a little bit more um, nervy about. But, you know, you would like to think that in the three appearances before that, if it does come to him needing to play, that he'll, he'll have more than shown that he's... Um, He's perfectly capable of, of dealing with all of it. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm less concerned about Jota. Obviously, you want him back, but there is plenty of cover up there. And, you know, we it'd be nice to see Gakpo back, wouldn't it? You know, and get a few games in. And obviously, Diaz as well, you know, get playing time. So, I mean, have our expectations for the season changed after the City game? Oh, that's a good one. I think um, mine haven't. No, it, it just... I think the title is a possibility, but I, I still think Liverpool are an outside bet. I will still play City as favourites. I'd say Liverpool and Arsenal, sort of pretty close to City. I would change my opinion if, if Liverpool were, were were really, really close at the end of January when City have got some of their better players back from injury potentially. Let's not forget City did have some key players missing the other day who who would improve, you know, sort of the function, the functionality of their team. So I think it's said to me that Liverpool have got a chance of staying the course, providing they don't get any serious injuries. So yeah, I think that Brian Liverpool key players fit. I, I still think they've got to go for the Europa League in my in my view. I think it's something that Jurgen Klopp, as a, as you know, as a manager, should be particularly invested in given the He'd become the first manager to to be able to say he's won every single trophy available to him. And there is a perfect link, really, to what we'll talk about. Before all of these Premier League games, it's Lask at home. And two match weeks remaining, essentially, you know, just a victory sends them through. You know, it's a chance to give the players who are not getting that much playing time a, a, a run out? I think, I think you're right. I think there will be rotation because um, I think, you know, obviously it's a chance for Liverpool to wrap up top of the group. I think if results go in their favour um, and I think that's important because I think given given the uh, December and, and how, you know, fixtures come at you every day, basically, um, you probably want to look at that, that sixth Europa League game and be able to say, well, this doesn't matter in the slightest. Yeah, maybe play us three. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, that'd be that'd be sad. <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I think th- there's an element to me which does think he might he might sign start strong um, and sign get the game won, and then 
you know, be able to take them off on on half time or sixty and, and give them a bit of rest. Um, you know, some of the, some of maybe the big guns, but but equally, I think that it might be a case of what he's he's sort of done throughout of of have the big guns on the bench and bring them on if required. And you would like to think that Liverpool should have more than enough to navigate this one. And it last made it difficult for them in, in that opening game. But in the end, Liverpool won out. It ran out pretty convincing winners, and you would like to think that that it should be should be pretty routine. And I think with given it's a three league game week coming up, I think Klopp will want as many of his, his you know his big players rested and ready for you know to play a, a big part in in the, all those all of those three games rather than needing to to use too much energy in this one. So you see it the same way. Yeah, well, I I think the further into the competition the goal, you'll see him treat it more seriously because it's it's obviously they, they can't afford still to drop points, I guess. And with with Christmas coming, it's, I, if I remember correctly, what he has done in the past as a manager is there's that game against Sheffield United next week. I always remember there was a similar game. It's that first that game the first week of December. He always rotates it. I remember he did it Burnley. One against Everton, I think, when he played yeah. the up front, I think. He did. He really heavily rotated against Everton, which was a damn inviting, uh, indictment of, <laughs> of Everton at the time. Liverpool won 5-2. But he always rotated for that second, that, 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 that first midweek game in December. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him do that again, given, you know, Sheffield United away. They're obviously struggling. I mean, Bramall Lane... I used to study in Sheffield and um, Bramall Lane midweek when it's cold. They be they will be right up for it, so it's not as going to be as easy as people might just automatically assume. But I'd still back Liverpool. Uh, you know, a, a strong Liverpool team to to get a result there. But so I, I think that's what will happen over the next couple of days. It'll probably be slightly weakened against Lask, strong over the weekends. A, a stronger team against Sheffield United than against Lask, but it won't be Liverpool at the strongest. And then usually over the Christmas periods, I mean, uh, we were talking about rhythms before, Klopp isn't a manager that likes to make that many changes, really. He's, he sort of thinks that when, as players get into that rhythm and the body, are you, the body is used to making certain actions in a game, he trusts the players and the physicality just to, 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 to carry on and, and he doesn't really wrote he hasn't really rotated that much, you know, throughout these these periods. There's only been one or two players here and there. So I think it'll be really interesting to see whether he does that over this, you know, the, this busy period because I'll show you where he thinks the, the 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 team is in its sense of development and the players are, both individually and, and sort of within the relationships in the in the areas of the pitch where they play. Well, that's it for this week on Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thanks to Simon and Andy and you two for joining us. And remember to join James for our At The Match Pod on Sunday. And, you know, he might even tell us some tales of his exotic adventures by the Danube. Well, or he might just tell you about the game. But that's worth listening to. <laughs> and we'll catch you here next Wednesday on Walk On. Have a good week, people, and let's hope the Reds rack up points. The Athletic.